The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This morning also I like to give a little bit of encouragement in the path. Uh, all the topics of our talks or Dhamma is just encouragement along the path. Uh, some time ago I was teaching uh, somewhere and uh, there was few other teachers and they all wanted to know what I'm going to talk on. So I said I'm going to talk on uh, encouragement on along the path. So the second time they asked me what the second talk, what is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I said uh, encouragement along the path. <laughs> so they were not happy. They said, no, you have to tell us then I have, we can be ready with our talk. You can I said, I don't know. I said, uh, okay, then say enlightenment along the path, part two. <laughs> <laughs> so the way Buddha taught was, Buddha didn't have any plans. Nature doesn't have any plan. We, out of our confusion, creates plans because we think we can control things. The tree in the woods doesn't have a plan. Nature happens. You just accept the nature. So, when Buddha meets somebody, usually he asks how you are doing. So with that question, the person goes within and try to understand the state we are in. Usually we are not really understanding what we are in, we are just suffering. Nobody really asks you, how are you doing? We don't ask ourselves, how are you doing? Truly asking that question. Of course, superficially we say, how are you? Love world is so superficial now. We don't mean things. When I first went to Australia, I was uh, year, uh, out of Sri Lanka when I was uh, 16, 17. And the first day I, I was in Sydney and uh, had a long journey going there and uh, got out of the house and started walking uh, in Sydney. And when I was walking, there was a guy who came and greeted me. Uh, a man who was going to the office. And he says, uh, something like, uh, how are you doing? Or greeted me like, good day or something. Good eye. <laughs> <laughs> they say, good eye. <laughs> so some, something like that, he greeted me. I was so happy and I stopped to greet him. And he's gone. <laughs> He's far away. And so, <laughs> in, at that time in Sri Lanka, if somebody greets you, you stop and you greet back. And it takes time, doesn't it? I don't know, for me, to, it takes a long time. 
to feel really what the person is saying and so often we live in a in the like a surface superficial uh, so often we do not go deep and we have never we even with partners after many years in marriage many many years in relationships the relationship becomes very superficial sometimes it comes to an extent where the person is in front of you and you don't hear the person you don't feel the person you are having breakfast together and you are reading the paper the person doesn't exist at all <laughs> you know you don't feel the person you don't feel the energy you are reading and the person is asking questions uh, yeah <laughs> you of course yes right you know you don't have that we lose that so it's very important to have this connection with ourselves first why we are disconnected with us not we are a bad guy then we are not thinking about others it's just that we are disconnected and we fill up fill this ourselves with all sorts of things stories beliefs ideas principles we fill ourselves up i am a person like and also when we come to spirituality we fill up with spiritual junk that's what we do spiritual ego so whatever comes along we just grab at it and put it in new book you read it how many books have you read so i can tell you something i have never read a book in my life never read a dhamma book this is the truth my children know it my friends know it i don't read it any dhamma book if i refer to something i only refer to the tipitaka directly buddhas uh teachings buddhas discourses because i feel when i read something else it gets uh my true experience gets diluted by the other ideas i'm not asking you not to read books that's not what i'm saying here but be aware of what you put in into you don't just put everything then it becomes like another craze just putting stuff in 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 in, in. and finally you're filled with everything and we know that we are empty we know that it's borrowed today everything is we just pick things up from here there here there we pick up things and our when you take now this singing bowl is made out of one solid metal but if you just pick pieces of metal and fix it and make a singing bowl when you hit the sound becomes not very nice because it's not one it's just pieces so our experience our depth in them the knowledge becomes bad sound but if you have direct knowledge 
keep things simple in your practice. Then the sound becomes very beautiful. So, not to have the spiritual ego, spiritual craziness, not to bring what we have done to the world into our spiritual life also, not to do that. So, letting go is the key for this. Why do we do this? Because there's desire, wanting, wanting, wanting. Because I want. Remember I told the story, did I tell that story about the German girl? She said, I want, because I want. That's the root of all problem, because I want. So learning this art of letting go, renunciation, is the key for enlightenment. Because our minds, look at the nature of our minds. What we do in sitting in this retreat in meditation is to observe the nature of our minds. The nature of our mind, what is the nature of our mind? The nature of our mind is to wander. An object arises, mind arises with the object. Object passes away, mind passes away with the object. Mind cannot arise. Mind is not a, of course I have to tell you here, those of you believe that there is a permanent eternal entity called mind, doesn't exist. Right? Mind arises in a moment, Mind passes away in a moment. So, if I hear a bird, the bird mind arose in me. You follow that? The bird mind came, bird mind went. Did you hear the bell? Did you hear anyone bell? Did you hear the bell? No, we didn't hear the bell. Why? Because I didn't ring the bell. Right? So, <laughs> why bell mind cannot arise without the object? See, bell mind, the mind didn't arise because the object of sound didn't arise. So, whatever we try to do, however we try to control out of our confusion and delusion, we cannot create a mind. Now try not to hear the bell. <laughs> bell mind arises and with that we get the experience. So are we in control of our minds? We are not in control of our minds. So that thinking that we can control is what brings us suffering. This constant control, control, control. So we have become control freaks. We are very good at this. Controlling ourselves and controlling others' lives. <laughs> and poor people, I mean, they suffer so much because of our control. When we have a power, like if we are a father, if we are a boss, if you are a husband, if you are a wife, 
we control. We think this to save this relationship is to control, do the right thing. No, it has its own pattern. The trees, nothing in nature controls anything. Only this us, humans, try to control. The birds don't try to control anything. You know, these things happen. They, they are in harmony with nature. So, we have to be like the bamboo tree. The bamboo tree, when the nature comes and gives a huge problem, like a tornado, like a huge pressure, like a big wind, a tsunami, whatever happens, the bamboo tree goes down. Okay, it's okay, go ahead. <laughs> It goes down, no problem, right? And then when this tornado goes, huh, it comes back to its nature. And the big oak trees, heavy oak trees, what happens? They get uprooted totally because they try to stand the, this thing. So we have to be like the bamboo tree in practice and in everyday life. Because we have the we have the confidence. We we don't have disharmony. We don't think that we are separate from the nature. We are part of the nature. Carl Sagan said it was we are all made out of stardust. How else? Where else did we come from? And when we die, what happens? we go back to the elemental nature. Can you stop that? Can we stop? Can I stop with all my knowledge, intellect, culture, everything? Can I stop me becoming part of the earth when I die? die? This body goes back to the elements. The four elements, the air. Because why? This is made out of the four elements. When we breathe in, what do we breathe in? Yeah, breathe in. Now that what I have breath breathed in, that's Dhammaruan in there. Okay? That's myself, I believe. And then I let go, Dhammaruan went up. <laughs> Isn't that so? Everything in there, if I believe, is me. That air is also me. There is air inside our bones. If you look at it from an electron microscope, you can see all these holes. Air inside. Are we clinging to that air as well? So everything is like that, made out of... There is hardness, softness, fluidity water, heat, but this creation of a self is what gives us suffering, nothing else. So what happens in practice of meditation, you come, you come to settle, you come to 
settle, become part of the nature, which is who you are, and that is the luminosity. Nature of the mind is to wonder. We can't stop that. So a lot of yogis all over the world, they come and say, uh, they think that they're doing something wrong, and say, come and say, uh, my mind wanders a lot. <laughs> of course your mind wanders. My mind also wanders. Right? What we need to understand is to let go of that self-notion which creates the struggle. Which creates the struggle to become something who we are not. Nature of the mind is to wander. Buddha said, Durangamang ekacharang asarirang guhasyang. The nature of the mind is to travel far. Doesn't it travel far? Have you been to Switzerland? You know, it's very beautiful, the mountains and lakes, it's one of the nicest places. Now, when I talk that, you all went to Switzerland, <laughs> didn't you? A picture of Switzerland came. You didn't need visa. <laughs> you didn't need to change travel ex money, exchange, nothing. Just goes. Just imagine, what if all these rules and regulations in the world suddenly ends, stops? No culture, nothing, no uh, check-in in the airport, absolutely nothing. You can do whatever you want. What will the world be like? I think it will be in chaos if suddenly everything, there's nothing, no countries, nothing. You can do whatever you want. When things like that happen, people go and loot. Have you seen that in films and all? I've seen it in American films. They show this, suddenly something happens, people go and take television sets and... They, <laughs> <laughs> they, it's chaos. Now, mind doesn't have rules like that. So our mind is like that all the time. Mind is in a chaos, chaos state. Because mind doesn't have rules, regulations, it can go anywhere it wants, it can stop anytime, it can do the most noble thing, it can do the most dirtiest thing. It can do the most kindest thing, it can do the most cruelest thing. Because that is the nature of an unguarded mind. When there is no guard, mind is like that. The nature of the mind is to travel far and wide. We cannot travel far and wide like that. The furthest we have, I've been going uh, in this uh, whole week is going to the teacher's cottage and coming up here. That's all. But the mind travels far and wide. So that's the nature of the mind. One, one quality of the mind is that. Ekacharang, the nature, another nature of the mind is to it's isolated, alone. We spend so much of time 
to get out of this aloneness. We think happiness is there when we unite. Remember, happiness is not there when you unite. There is only thrill, excitement. Not happiness. What happens is when you unite, there is friction. Buddha said in one place, it is to be with, uh, be alone, it's like to live in heaven, uh, in Brahma realm, the greatest realm, uh, the pleasurous realm, the Brahma realm, to be alone. Remember, lonely is another one. Lonely is, you know, I'm sad, I don't have anybody. That's, that's loneliness, okay? Aloneness is a good one. That's a positive mental state. So, aloneness gives its blissful state. When you live with two people, Buddha said, it's like living in the human realm. Human realm is mixed with pleasure and pain. And if you live with more than two people, it's like living in hell realms. <laughs> I like that <laughs> very much. It's true. You have, you can talk with a friend and you put the third one in. There's always chaos because that one wants to fit in somehow, you know, into that. <laughs> and then there's chaos. So, mind decides that although we have the best companion, best lover, best partner, our mind is alone. We can't mix the two minds together. We can talk, we can exchange ideas, we can look at the same thing at the same time, but we can never unite. The mind cannot unite. Mind doesn't have, mind has that oneness nature. So that's another quality of the mind. All right? So the closest union may be the sexual union uh, when you make love. But even then, you know that you think something else, the other person thinks something else. The mind works separately. And this can be uh, very obvious sometimes. There's no body to the mind. Mind doesn't have this physical body. Mind is free from that. Physical body is very uh, has its limitations. Now I am not well today. So I have this. So it's a limitation. Mind doesn't have limitations like that. Physical body, I have to carry up these stairs to come here. Mind doesn't have limitations like that. So, it doesn't have a body, a sarirang, and it is hidden. The mind is hidden. So, that's a salvation we have. If suddenly everybody can see our minds, it won't be, it will be a, the biggest trauma we have in our life. <laughs> <laughs> So we are try, trying to hide all the time with everything we try to hide and bring out a better image all the time. This is what we do. Because we have this nature of hiddenness. 
So the state of the mind often, uncontrolled mind, is chaos. So a lot of us have, uh, this is why I thought of talking about this today, a lot of us have this problem of the mind, of wandering mind. Mind controlling uh, you, your thinking so much that it makes you unhappy, sad, miserable and weak. It's a very difficult thing to control this mind, to, to tame this mind, not control, to tame this mind. It's very difficult. Buddha compares his mind to a wild elephant, wild elephant. Not the elephants you see in the circus. <laughs> they are very nice, cute. But wild elephants are very dangerous. If a wild elephant comes, we will be, we run. Whether we know or not what elephant is, that energy, that sound, the whole uh, building will shake. So we will run. It's scary. So, wild elephant does not come and come up the pathway, wait till the gate opens, <laughs> you know, and take the right turn and uh, and uh, not go near the fire <laughs> fire parking area. It just goes straight. It comes straight through the hall. It just goes straight. Our mind is also like that. If we want something, we just go straight. And there's destruction all over. And then we try to give excuses. Oh. <laughs> this happened because of this, this is because of this. right? And keep on excusing and the wild elephant runs. <laughs> That's the nature of our minds. You know? That was the nature of, Buddha says, that was the nature of my mind. That's what I love about Buddha, you know, he didn't pretend to be someone who he is not. He said, my mind was like a wild elephant. But, Tajaggan nigge samyoni so hatti pabinnang vyanku saggao. This mind used to be like a wild elephant travel wherever it wants. Uh, now, just like the Mahut, Mahut is the one who controls elephant, so elephant uh, like a cattle herd, just, just like the Mahut controls this wild elephant and tames this wild elephant, I have tamed this wild elephant of the mind. What, with what does this Mahut controls this wild elephant? Have you, have you seen? You have seen. In a circus everywhere they have a hook. Have you seen that hook? Little hook. Not but this big. Not Elephant is huge, but the elephant is terrified of this hook. 
because these guys know exactly to poke to the right places where the elephant thinks oh if it, this hurts the whole body but it's only few places if elephant knew that he would move but he doesn't know that so with this hook with careful carefully with shrewdness this man controls his wild elephant and what happens thereafter you can use the wild elephant to do lot of valuable things where you couldn't have done otherwise possible it's impossible to lift huge tree trunks it's impossible to carry lot of weight it's impossible to do that at that time but they use it with this hook so what is this hook the hook of mindfulness the hook of with this hook of mindfulness buddha says i have now tamed this wild elephant what you need to do is to tame our minds in practice that's what happens that's what we see when you practice for a long period of time 10 years 20 years there is a sort of taming we could see people like how long they have practiced because of the nature of the mind so each each time you practice this taming happens <coughs> you may have seen the the how the mind get deceived by things even in this retreat in a retreat situation If you are not careful, mind controls you. Sometimes what happens is, uh, some of you might have gone through this. That uh, that you want to leave the retreat. The thought comes sometimes. Yeah? I want to leave the retreat. So some yogis, very few, occasionally leave the retreat. and it's just a thought in the mind that led to that decision all the things that we have done in our life started with just a thought if you are married and you have children and you have grandchildren <laughs> and they have their grandchildren it all started with a thought <laughs> one thought maybe that thought led to a word like i do <laughs> and everything continues thereafter it's just a thought so we get out get caught to these thoughts over and over and over again when i was 18 years old i did a retreat uh, i was the youngest in the retreat at that time young people don't come in uh, 80s and not so I had to sit with this young energy, youthful energy. I just couldn't sit. Each time I sit, I jump up. I want to jump up, get up, go because I have I had this youth, youthful energy. And this was in Australia, very strict retreat. Uh, 
uh, from morning till night uh, one hour walking one hour sitting back to back till late night um, very serious retreat and uh, prior to the retreat I was in Sydney and uh, in Sydney there is a place I don't know whether you have been to Sydney there's uh, from the place I stayed there's place called Bondi Junction and there I used to go and I found this place where they give you pizza. So there was this small uh, uh, pizza shop and there was an Italian man and his wife. So the man and the wife uh, one is cleaning the place up and the other one is cooking and then there was the daughter also helps out sometimes she comes and serves and I have never eaten a pizza in my life in Sri Lanka there was no pizza they don't even have cheese in Sri Lanka at that time so cheese once in a way occasionally we get a piece of cheese like this very small so it's very very uh, Sri Lanka is a very vegan type it's a coconut milk and so there's no cheese and this was the when I ate this this was the most delicious thing I have eaten in my life and the cheese and melting and you know smell and of uh, first pizza I've ever had and this had a very strong imprint in my mind I got attached to that I want every day I wanted to go and have a pizza. <laughs> right? So uh, I go there, have pizza, and uh, I uh, like that environment, uh, that small pizza place. And then I go to the retreat after that. I go to the retreat. After about three weeks, four weeks into the retreat, it was a six weeks retreat. About halfway through, I was meditating very nicely, and there comes this thought pizza. <laughs> very gentle, very innocent thought. <laughs> it just came pizza. And then I thought, oh, this is just a pizza thought. I am so strong, I've been meditating for some time. This is a pizza thought. I can just entertain it a little. <laughs> so, what I did was, I just watched the pizza, enjoy the pizza thought. And smell the smell, the taste, you know. I'm meditating. And pizza thought, meditating pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it became so, I got so caught up with this. It became such a thing in the mind. I was eager to go and sit in meditation to think about pizza. <laughs> so I go and sit and think about pizza. <laughs> and I, it started to develop now. And I started to uh, have relationship with those people. The pizza, the, the, fa the father, the mother 
and I started to create desire to the daughter. Oh, as if that I love her and all these things come up now. Just because of a pizza. And then I feel that this father is so, uh, like a, he treats me like a son and mother is like a mother to me and every day I eat pizza. (laughs) So, so, it was going on, it's so stupid, so silly. (laughs) Now looking back at that, but it was so real to me at that time. Then what happened? It went to such an extent the retreat became horrible. I was fighting with everything. But I don't know it's the pizza that's, uh, the desire that keeps me away from it. I was thinking, you know, the food was wrong, the, uh, you know, the uh, sleeping environment is wrong, the schedule is wrong, the teacher is wrong, the teaching is wrong. Everything was wrong to me. Because of this desire, desire of pizza. So there was a friend of mine who brought me into this retreat and she suddenly had to go back home because uh, the husband was ill or something like that. She wrote me a letter, Dhammaruan. Uh, I had to suddenly go to Sydney. Don't worry, I'll be coming back to pick you up in, uh, in a week's time. So uh, we got two weeks time. So just continue your practice. Don't let this disturb you. I thought, this is my chance. (laughs) Now I wanted to leave this place. This was like a prison to me. So I immediately wrote a thing. I am also coming. I have something important to do. (laughs) And then I got onto the car with her. And it was late in the, it was getting late in the night. And I just wanted pizza now. Pizza, 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 pizza. Uh, so I said, uh, let's stop somewhere where there's pizza. I, I was, I, I'm, I'm so desperate. I don't want the best pizza. Even the worst pizza, I don't mind. I just want to have pizza. And then what happened was, there was some neon light saying pizza somewhere on the right side of the road. I ran in, stopped the car and ran in. <coughs> Ordered the pizza and had a Coke and ate. And after I ate it, I felt so empty. <laughs> I, I felt so lost, so cheated, right? So cheated. So that's what the mind does. We feel cheated. We cheat ourselves. This is the nature of desire. There's no, after eating that pizza, there was no like pizza bliss. <laughs> You are either left with full or unhappy or, you know, there's nothing like that. That's the nature of sensual pleasure. That's, that's what the mind does to us. So we need to control this mind, not control again. We need to tame this mind. Remember, letting go, you don't need, you don't have to let go of everything. You open certain books, it says Dhamma, meditation is art of letting go. Some book says meditation is to develop. Isn't that so? Haven't you come across these two? Some says meditation is to develop. Some says meditation is to let go. 
which is right. Which one is right? Haven't you thought this? You read books, you don't think about this. Right? Uh, so letting go is one. Is letting go meditation or developing meditation? Bhavana is what meditation is in Pali. Bhavana is to develop. And you have to let go in meditation. So there are certain things to develop, certain things to let go. So a lot of people make this confusion. People think, yogis think, you have to let go of everything. Let go, let go, let go. Let go of Dhamma, let go of Buddha, let go of teaching, let go of everything. If you let go like that, you, are, you have nothing. So this practice is like similar to climbing a ladder. So when you climb a ladder, how do you climb a ladder? You hold on to a rung of a ladder, uh, of the ladder, with lot of grip, with earnestness, with effort. You hold on to the rung of a ladder, and then you hold on to another rung of a ladder, and then you have to let go. Of this one that you held on, you have to let go. So often we don't want to let go of this. This is what I learned, this is from my teacher, this is from the book I read, this is, uh, I feel so intelligent by with this. So, <laughs> so we hold on to this. And then what happens, we get stuck in the practice. We get stuck. So you must know the art of you know, letting go, grasping, letting go, like that. That's the way to practice. You can't immediately let go of everything. You have to develop confidence in the Buddha. You have to develop sadda. You have to develop virya, effort. You have to develop mindfulness. You have to develop uh, uh, concentration. You have to develop all these factors and panya, wisdom. But at one point you have to let go of them. There's a nice story at the time of the Buddha. Uh, Buddha was in front of a lot of monks. Buddha turned to Venerable Sariputta. Venerable Sariputta was uh, the right-hand man. He was the he was just like the Buddha. He was is a great greatest arahanta we have in Buddha's asana. The uh, only his teachings are there, other than the Buddha's teachings in the Tipitaka. So he's a great person, and he has so much uh, trust and confidence in the Buddha. So in front of a lot of people, Buddha asked from Venerable Sariputta, uh, Sariputta, do you have confidence in the Buddha? Then Venerable Sariputta said. No confidence, <laughs> no sadha. Then all the unenlightened bhikkhus people started talking. Oh, he said no confidence, Buddha. It's <laughs> <laughs> happening, you know. As you know, is the is it going to divide now? The sasana is going to divide. Let's. I will take this side, but I which side are you going to take? So people 
talking like that. But the enlightened beings, they just, they knew what was going on. Because when you get fully enlightened, you have to even let go of the confidence you have towards the Buddha, Buddha, Dhamma. But not right now. Not right now. If you let go of that now, <laughs> that's the end. Sometimes you people say like that. We pretend. We think, oh, I have let go of everything. No, you have to develop certain things. We have to develop certain things in order to let go later on. Renunciation is also like that. Many years ago, uh, my teacher Bhantaji was uh, uh, teaching somewhere and there was this woman who came and uh, she said, she was, uh, she came with a guy And she said, uh, <coughs> Bhante, I have renounced everything. I have renounced my husband. I have renounced my children. I have renounced my house. I have renounced everything. And I'm just now uh, traveling in a very small car with this my friend. And I'm so free and I'm so renounced. So Bhantiji asked, if you have renounced, what are you doing hanging around with this man? <laughs> you are renounced, but you are with a, with a friend. So this is how superficially we take renunciation. We think, we think this is the way to renounce. Renunciation is a thought. We make this mistake, we think we have to renounce everything. Give everything like, you know, you don't have everything. You can have a lot, but you can be renounced. Because renunciation is a thought. It happens in the mind. Then a person can have nothing at all, but the not renounced in the mind. So much desire for things. So much of daydreams. So much of fantasies. So that is not the renunciation. Renunciation is in the mind. Where does the renunciation come in? the core teachings of the Buddha in the Eightfold Path and the right thought. Nekkamma Sankappa The thought of renunciation. Remember these three things I think I told you the other day. There are three, three types of uh, thoughts that we have to develop constantly. Nekkamma Sankappa Thought of renunciation. Avyapadha Sankappa Thought of non-hate within brackets metta and avihinsa sankapa thought of compassion not cruelty being kind towards all beings so these are the right thoughts that we need to develop all the time when the opposite arises try to bring up these right thoughts when the opposite arises replace them with this So, thought of renunciation, how to develop the thought of renunciation, 
how to practice the thought or renunciation happens with our daily practices. Constantly we are, why we can't renounce is we are so tight, we hold on to things so tightly. We have this nature. If something comes our way, we hold it and squeeze it tightly. So we hold to money like this, we hold to power, we hold to relationships, we hold so tightly. Sometimes it chokes the object, the person. It chokes us, this tightness. So we need to let go of this tightness. We need to let go of that. Now that process of releasing happens with the practice of dana. So dana is not a thing that you hear at the end of the retreat by the manager so that you know how much to give for the teacher and the place. <laughs> that's what has been, that's the practice in the, in the we have, what we have heard is that. Dana is, okay, Dana talk, you know, not that. It's a very important thing. Do not limit that to teacher donation. I don't, I don't call in my retreats, in Nirodha retreats, I don't call teacher Dana, I call it teacher donation. Because Dana is a very important factor in your enlightenment. Donation for the establishment. But dana is that ability constantly you develop of freeing yourself of this, this thing. It can, it's not only monetary. It's, this Buddha said, sabbadanang dhammadanang jinati. Out of all danas, what is the highest dana? This, dhammadana. Giving the dhamma. Because that's the place where you go to the highest bliss. With that, that's that uncountable. Giving is the highest giving, giving of Dhamma. So, people are even, there's something called Guru Mushti. The teachers, some teachers, keep certain things. Maybe to teach later. Right? <laughs> Guru Mushti. Or give it to my special student. <laughs> Not everybody. So they have agenda. So this is called Guru Mushti in ancient land. Buddha didn't have a Guru Mushti. That's the difference in Buddha and other teachers at that time. Buddha had open hands. Whatever comes, he gives, gives, gives. Without any scheduling. So, dana, therefore, is something that you need to practice like your meditation. Dana is a practice. You can't limit dana to writing a check. Dana, because dana leads to a quality called chaga. When you keep on doing dana, you have this constantly you want to give, want to give, let go, let go. Munindraji was an embodiment of that. He didn't have 
any bank account, no money. But he had everything. He can give you things more than I can give you. Because people knew that he loved to give things. So people bring him big bag of chocolates. <laughs> Yogis bring big bag of chocolates, big bag of toffees, something. So he's filled with these things. I mean, you come in, ah, come, 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 come. <laughs> he goes in, hey, this, you like this. You like this. And he gives you that. It brings you to that beautiful childlike nature that we all have. That's what we resonate with. Not this other thing that we always go with. Uh, you know, good eye. How are you doing? You know? Not that. <laughs> That's not who we are. So, he developed this chaga of letting go. And that chaga leads to renunciation. It helps the thought of renunciation to let go of everything. No pizza will control you thereafter. <laughs> Nothing can control because your mind is so strong with that. I'm just taking a little time. I know I'm, I should finish by now, but maybe I should tell you one more thing. Dana has to be given not by thinking, planning, manipulating, analyzing. It has to be a spontaneous giving. That is the highest, spontaneous. Munidraji doesn't think, oh, this person uh, I like better than the other person, so I give a bigger chocolate. <laughs> no, it just gives. Spontaneous. You don't need to think whether this giving will affect that, this or the other. It just gives. What, the, what happens with that gift is not your control anyway. You give something, that gift can go to anything. That you can't control the world. But what you can control is this joy of giving. So, in Abhidhamma, it says you have to give with the, the right thought to give is somanasa sagata jnana sampyutta asankarika eka chitta. So, a thought accompanied with pleasure, wisdom, jnana sampyutta, unprompted, with pleasantness. The, in that thought you have to give. Then it becomes a wholesome, the right, that is the formula for the right thought of giving. I'll end this talk with a story at, which happened, which explains this at the time of the Buddha. At the time of the Buddha, there was a, there was a, a couple uh, they were known as the Ekasatakas. At the time of the Buddha, there was, uh, people used to wear, men used to wear something for the lower body, upper body was bare. And we females also wore the same, 
but for the to cover their breasts they wore something like a strapless bra when they go to a place of worship both man and the woman just to out of respect for the uh, audience out of respect to the teachings out of the respect to the buildings and culture they put a shawl just to cover the upper body just to cover the upper body both man and woman it's a it's a cultural thing that you you never go bare bodied inside and uh, to, to an audience so you cover yourself so these people are so poor this this is old gentleman senior citizen very old and both of them in their old age uh, they were so poor they didn't have even a place to stay they were like a, they had a little bit of a shed out uh, under a tree but their lives was filled with bliss the happiest thing they do in their life was to listen to the dhamma but they have they had one problem they didn't they were so poor they didn't have they couldn't afford a shawl so because they couldn't afford a shawl they had one shawl and they took it in turns to go and listen to buddha's teaching so one day the husband wears the shawl that this is the greatest position they have because this this is the the joy of dhamma listening to the dhamma happens because of this shawl so one day the man takes the shawl he puts the shawl and he goes to the uh, audience and listen sit down and listen to the buddha giving a dhamma talk and he listens very uh, with lot of sadda with lot of confidence and then he comes home and the wife is waiting uh, for him to come and the wife runs towards him and says tell me tell me what did the buddha say and he says oh, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> let me have a glass of water or a little bit of water and then let me uh, put the shawl uh, in safe place so they fold the shawl put it up and then he sits down and the wife sits in front of him and then he explains the whole of the dhamma and the wife listens to the dhamma with so much of joy this was their life they enjoyed the next day wife goes with the shawl listen to the dhamma she is coming and then the husband runs like a little boy what did buddha say what did buddha say then wife says wait a minute let me have a glass of water let me sit down so wife sits down husband listens and he explains to them so this was their life one day mr ekasartaka the guy he goes into the hall and he sits uh, somewhere in the middle the back uh, in at the time of the buddha everybody sit in one place right not like today uh, in america uh, today we have retreats for different 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 type of people there everybody comes it was so diverse at that time uh, the society way diverse than today but in the dhamma everyone is the same so kings queens intellectuals rich businessmen poor people like it ekasartaka then uh, depressed class everybody was all sitting and listening to the dhamma and 
Ekasad, at that day, Buddha was giving a talk on generosity and letting go. So Ekasadaka listened to this and he, at one point, suddenly, this generosity, this chaga, arose in him. What did arise? The mind accompanied with joy, with wisdom, unprompted. He just want to give. So, he thought, I want to give something, I want to give something to the Buddha. But what, then he thought, what can I give? I don't have anything. I'm so poor. And Buddha has so many rich uh, kings and queens. So he got deflated. But this thought again came up. It again said, no, I want to give something. Then he thought, what can I give? We don't have anything. Only possession we have is this shawl. He said, I'm going to give the shawl to the Buddha. Then he said, oh no, if I give the shawl, my wife would not be able to listen to the Dhamma and her life is going to be in suffering and she will be so sad, I can't give it. But the nature of this is coming up like a wave, this wanting to give, wanting to let go. Kept on coming, kept on coming and finally it was like a battle in his mind. Give, not give, give, not give, give, not give. Finally, he stood up in the crowd, held the shawl in his hand and he said, I won, I won. And when he shouted, everybody turned towards him and King Pasenadi of Kosala was sitting in front seat. Politicians get excited when somebody says, I won, I won. <laughs> so so he, he ran to this man with his sword and he said, tell me, what did you win? <laughs> then he said, oh king, don't worry. I didn't win your kingdom, but I want something far greater than that far greater than my kingdom. What is that? Then he said, I won over my greed. I won over my greed. So the king started to think, you know, these people are so poor, you know, you can't imagine how poor they are. But their heart is so rich. And the king thought, you know, I have all the wealth in this land. And my heart is not like that. And uh, the story so goes on to say that they were given a house and many shawls. <laughs> so they were able to, both together were able to go and listen to the Dhamma thereafter. So we have these beautiful things in us. Don't let ideas and what people say stop that. The most beautiful thing is in you, not out there, not out in the world. So don't depend on other things, on television, on people, on society. Everything is here. All right. So, if you feel something is right, you will have that sense. This is the right thing to do. Trust in that trust in that sense and you will be coming to the right place. If you do everything correctly in that way, 